all in our has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. What a joy to be with you all once again. I'm in a new location, as you may all be aware. The background's a bit different. I've moved house. So this is where we're at now with the Insider's Edge. And I'm excited. I'm thrilled right here, right now to have the opportunity to talk to former IPW heavyweight champion, former NWA Florida Southern heavyweight champion, NWA Florida and NWA World Junior heavyweight champion, the one, the only, the incomparable Lex Lovett. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And um, all I need is for you to follow me around all day telling everybody uh, that intro and and I'll be good to go. I haven't heard that in, in, a, in, in a minute. It's been a few years. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, no, I do. Good. <laughs> that's good. That's good for. Uh, I do get props on my introductions quite a lot. Um, but it's uh, it's great to have you on the show. Uh, the first question, as per usual, sir, on this show is: When you were a younger man, before you got into the business, sure, you've been asked this many times. How did you become a fan of professional wrestling? Okay, um, so I am a, a Tampa native. Um, you know, with, with that being said, everybody knows the, 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 the storied history of professional wrestling, uh, championship wrestling from Florida in, uh, in Tampa. Uh, but I was a little different. I, uh, I grew up in a very religious, uh, household and we weren't allowed to go down to the shows. Uh, but I did sneak off into the, uh, into the other room and, and uh, every Saturday morning, it was it was WWF, it was uh, uh, CWF, Championship Wrestling from Florida, um, uh, the uh, World Class Championship Wrestling from from Texas. I mean, that was you know just larger than life. The Von Erichs were were you know just uh, you know I wanted to be a Von Erich so bad. Um, all the uh, Championship Wrestling. Uh, guys, we would see him out and about uh, in town. You'd be at a restaurant, you'd look over and, oh, hey, there's Dusty Rhodes, like it was nothing. Um, you know, it seemed like all the big names used to come through Tampa and you there would be sightings everywhere. So uh, to us, it was it was nothing to be, you know, in, in Thanota Sassa at a restaurant. And, oh, look, it's it's Blackjack Mulligan or it's, it's you know, Barry Windham or, um, you know, Kendall Windham. So it was just always part of our life, and I, I was always a, uh, a big fan, always in sports, uh, never got into to wrestling as a uh, as an amateur. Uh, but it was just larger than life, iconic. All my heroes were, you know, like the He-Man types. The, you know, the um, uh, I'm ashamed to say it. I was when I was a kid, I was an Ultimate uh, Warrior fan uh, before I knew better. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the big, the, the, the Billy Grahams and, the, uh, the, um, just the big names that were larger in life, they were superheroes. It's like, man, someday if I ever, you know, if I can't be Superman, at least I can, you know, uh, go down to the, the armory and hopefully someday I'll be, I'll be down there doing this myself. So. Yeah. And hopefully one day when you're out of the business, a guy from Australia will be bugging you about an interview. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think that ever came across my mind, but hey, here we are. You know. <laughs> Excellent, Barry. Uh, so there has to be a point in time, obviously, where you you got to figure out a way of getting in. And I guess you might be pretty lucky being in that part of the, not only the world, but of the, of the country as well, to have so many people around the place that you can um, try and find your way into the business. Uh, how, how was that process? How did you do it? Uh, before we start talking about you getting trained? Um, well, um, my, yeah, it's a crazy story. Um, it isn't your typical, I was down at the, uh, the MMA, uh, you know, uh, uh, B, you know, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, um, uh, uh, studio and somebody saw me and, and thought I'd make a great wrestler. It wasn't like that. Um, I was a big fan. It was around 1999. It was when Goldberg was having his big, uh, uh, push um uh, the um, nwo was a, a big thing so um at that time i would dare say that that wrestling was the biggest thing happening in america <clears throat> you know both uh, both companies were doing you know uh crazy ratings people were making crazy money and so well you know as a fan you know i was i was looking in i was about 250 uh, pounds at the time. I was, um, you know, uh, an incredible athlete. I was at the top of my game in my sport, which just so happened to be uh, college cheerleading. Um, uh, I was competitive at a high level, and uh, it was actually a guy that I lived with um, my second year in college. We were on the cheerleading team together. His name was Alex Lovett. So, um, you know, me and him, we, we lived uh, together for about a year. And then he graduated and went his separate way. And, and I did my thing. Uh, but a few years later, I walk into Hooters over there by University of South Florida. And I see my old buddy, Alex, and he's, man, he's humongous. He's, you know, he's, he's in, in probably about the best shape I've ever seen him. He's got a, a black, goatee that I could tell is, uh, is, uh, dyed and he's got white hair and just completely looks like something I I've never seen, uh, you know, uh, my friend look like. So I just walk up to him, Hey man, what's going on? So he lets me know that he's, uh, he's professional wrestling now. So, um, he was going by, you'll love it was, was one of his gimmicks. And he was also doing a Dante character. It was a painted face character. Uh, but he had gone to school with uh, Steve Kern. So he was a part of uh, that gym and he, he started talking to me about it. Um, so he invited me down to a show. So I had never seen uh, up until this point, I had never seen a live wrestling show before. So I remember it was in Ybor city down here in Tampa. Um, I go to the show and I, you know, all my life I've thought, well, I'd, I'd love to be a wrestler. I'm just not big enough. At, at six foot, 250 pounds, I still thought that I wasn't big enough. So I go into an independent show and now I'm meeting everybody and, and I'm looking them eye to eye, you know, I'm sizing them up, you know, Hey, there's guys smaller than me. There's, you know, and I, I start to watch um, the live behind the scenes and I start thinking, well, I was a better athlete than, than, than Alex was. I was, you know, uh, I was always in better shape than he was. If these guys can do it, I can do it. So it kind of gave me the confidence to actually put my mind uh, and, and put it in my mind that I could be in there in that ring and I could, could be a, a, a competitor. So um, I decided I wanted to do it. I went down and I met uh, Steve Kern down in his school. 
and we were uh, ready to get started. It was about, uh, uh, I think it was June or July of 1999. Um, I, I was I was ready. I had my money. I was going to start. I was excited about it. Uh, but there was a, <clears throat> a tour that a bunch of the guys went on in South America, uh, Peru. And uh, unfortunately, on that tour, Alex Lovett passed away. Um, don't really want to go into uh, why the house, uh, but he uh, he had a heart attack and, and lost his life on that tour. So I didn't start. Uh, you would you could imagine that. I mean, this happened on a tour. Uh, all the guys have to come back to to Tampa now. They've got to deal with uh, the fallout, the funeral, and and all that. So the the school closed down, um, and then it was. Um, it wasn't till November that I actually started once, once the, you know, the, the bad air got out of the building, you know, everybody was ready to move on. So November of 1999, I started wrestling school with uh, Steve Kern um, and uh, went through school uh, with Steve Kern. And that's actually how the uh, Lex Lovett name came about. Um, you know, when it was time to have my first match, I, I trained for about four weeks um, and then I was presented with the opportunity to do a tag match and they, they asked me what my name was going to be. And, you know, here I am, I was like, well, I'm in a 10 week school. I didn't think I'd need to know that by week four, but here I am, I'll, you know, coming up with a name. So I just, it, it, it kind of jumped into my mind. Hey, why don't I take the A off of Alex, uh, wrestlers Lex love it. Um, you'll love it had a, a little following here in Tampa. So, you know, I was billed as, uh, the uh the cousin of the late you'll love it lex love it um and it, and it started from there so and i was called lex love it every day of my career except for uh the times that i went under a mask and i did the same gimmick so all right wow that is uh quite the journey there just to get to this point and uh my uh condolences on your friend but really nice that you pay tribute to him with the name um yeah. uh so uh I guess, uh, how did you find the experience training with Steve? Uh, I know with my research and also said that Jimmy Del Rey was a little bit of, uh, involved with that as well. How did you find all of that? Um, it was incredible. Um, it was uh, an old school uh, sweat box. Um, it was uh, basically a, a bay building that had uh, no AC, no restroom. Uh, we used the restroom outside. Uh, there was uh, two rings. Uh, in in the the building, there was one ring that was a bumping ring, and then the other ring was so hard that if you you bumped in it, you 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 know you'd have a concussion. So we would you know we'd work drills and and um, you know uh, holds and and chain wrestling in the other ring. But it was man, it was the best atmosphere. Some of the best guys were down there. You were always going to be around greatness every single uh, time you went down there. Um, so for basically four solid years, I did not miss a single day. Um, even though I started wrestling after I was four weeks in, I, I was still there every single, uh, uh, time the, the doors were open, uh, because you never knew who you were going to miss out on. Um, you know, there was nothing to be, you know, in the ring working drills and then all of a sudden look up and standing in the doorway was undertaker edge, um, uh, you know, uh, the rock. Uh, I mean, it was just, it was commonplace, you know, you'd be rolling all of a sudden you look over, you're like, 
holy crap, it's Undertaker, you know. <laughs> um, but um, but the guys that trained with down there were awesome. Um, you know, Steve Kern was head trainer. He worked with uh, Jimmy Del Rey, who was just a, an incredible giving man. A lot of people like to focus on the negatives uh, that Jimmy had in his career. But, man, the guy would do anything for you. Um, he, he always, uh, you know, he, he was always there for you, no matter where you were, whether you're in the parking lot, whether you're at the building, uh, at a show, um, Jimmy was just somebody you could, uh, look to. Um, I also, uh, you know, I was training down there with some really good guys. We had, uh, Buck Quartermain, uh, was down there training people, um, uh, Mike Sullivan, uh, Scoot Andrews would come through quite a bit uh, when the Miami guys would come up like Billy Fives and, and um, MVP would come up, uh, you know, we'd have, you know, we'd have nights in there where, you know, there were 20, 30 guys and we would, we would wrestle till, you know, we got kicked out uh, till 11, 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. Uh, but there was just so much talent in the area um, that it was, you know, so easy just to sponge it all up. Um, you know, in that, you know, in that facility, um, you know, I got to train with, with all of my heroes. I got to train for a solid, uh, three months straight with, um, uh, with the, uh, 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 oh my God, um, three months straight with Eddie Guerrero, um, one of my, you know, one of my all time, uh, favorites. And actually, uh, he writes about it in his autobiography, which is pretty cool. Uh, but one of the times he was coming back from a, a rehab stint, uh, me, Steve uh, Favada or Steve Madison and uh, Eddie for for the whole summer, for three months, we must have trained six to eight hours uh, a day in that gym. So if you walked out of that gym and you weren't, you know, solidly squared away, you you just didn't have it because it was just a magical place um you know uh a magical time for wrestling so and and pretty much uh all the guys that i met down there um have become my brother my brother for life so right wow just being able to be in the ring with eddie guerrero would you know that would improve you tenfold no matter what you're doing um i can't even imagine uh i wanted to bring up the first match uh in my research this is what i read uh, you team with uh venom Tim Kern against Drunken Disorderly, which is Chris Nelson and Vito Danucci. Um, yeah. How was the first one? Um, it was it was it was nerve wracking. Um, it was surreal. It was it was all of the things that that you could imagine a first match would be. Uh, but then imagine um, the dry. Uh, this is something a lot of people don't think about. Your first year of uh, of, of wrestling. Um, the drive to every building is terrifying. Um, the, the butterflies, the, what am I going to do tonight? The, you know, uh, who's going to be there? Um, you know, how's the match going to go? You know, you're, you're just, you're so keyed up and imagine you're driving to your first match and, and they tell you it's at some bar in St. Pete and, and you, you drive up and you park and you look up and they're setting up the ring in the middle of a, um, a sand volleyball court. So it was a place called Kahuna's. It was, um, it was a, uh, a Frankie Reyes uh, run show. He's, he's a local promoter here and, and referee here in, in, in uh, Tampa area. And it was right smack the mat, dab in the middle of a uh, volleyball ring. You had to walk through the sand to get into the ring. Um, so, uh, but 
you know, it was kind of like, well, uh, you know, uh, if I mess up, this is a great place to mess up, you know, <laughs> Uh, who's going to see me mess up. But, you know, we had, we had 20, 30 people there, but it was awesome. It was living my dreams. Um, it was, uh, uh, first of all, Chris Nelson, uh, Vito Danucci. If, if you've ever been in the ring with them, it's, it's, it's so fun. It's so light. It's so easy to get over. Um, you know, just let them do their thing. Just listen to them. Um, and then I had a veteran, uh, uh, Venom, Tim Curran in my corner. So basically I just went out there and, and just, you know, remembered my training and, and just listened to the guys and try not to crack up, uh, from, uh, from Chris telling jokes in the ring, uh, which he loves to do. Uh, but, um, it was, it was one of those just life-changing moments where from there it was like, I was shot out of cannon. It was, it was time to do this. Excellent. That must be great to, 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 to be feeling that feeling that something that you had hoped for so many years prior. Um, I wanted to bring up uh, NWA Florida and just what it was like working for Harold Brody uh, and, and the, the scene at the time, because I've had guys, you know, a lot of guys that worked in Florida on the show, like Scoot Andrews and, and Billy Fives, et cetera. Um, so, so many talented people in the area. How was the experience working for Howard? Um, well, Howard's, yeah, Howard's a wonderful guy. Um, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that, um, you know, if you're one of his guys, he takes good care of you. Um, you know, if you do good business with them, um, you know, he'll, um, you know, he'll push you to the moon and, 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 you know, just, he's got your back. Uh, but, uh, the way it went down is they were, they were getting ready to start up the armory shows, uh, the Fort, uh, Homer Hester armory. Uh, Howard Brody was bringing wrestling, bringing wrestling back. So um, he was running NWA Florida. Uh, so the first show um, was my opponent was Venom Tim Kern. Um, you know, the, the, the guy that I, I tagged with in, in my first match. Um, it was a great match. And, and I probably had 50 people uh, in the stands. Uh, my father-in-law had, uh, had shirts made up. So there were 50 people in the stands with Lex Lovett shirts. Uh, so that helped me get booked for a second, uh, match. Um, the, the first match was a, uh, elimination tournament and I got eliminated in the first round and, you know, the crowd booed and I think Howard, uh, saw some, you know, some, you know, some good in me. Uh, so, um, he decides in his infinite wisdom and, and, and he is awesome at getting baby faces over, um, he, he, he put me as his, his junior heavyweight, uh, baby face. And that just blew me out of the water because they approached me and said, Hey, if you lose weight, we can make you a big star. And my whole life, I've been thinking I'm not big enough for this business. I'm, I'm, you know, after going through wrestling school, I lost a few pounds. I'm like 240, um, uh, you know, and still, I, I'm still in my mind. I'm not big enough. I'm not 300 pounds. So. Uh, but here I've got a promoter saying, you know what, if you lost about 20 pounds, um, I've got something for you that, that could be pretty cool. So um, I went ahead and I, I got all the way down to like 205, 210 and started the junior heavyweight ranks. Um, so he throws me into a program that lasted about, uh, I'd, I'd say, six, seven months with uh, the Tampa Click. Um, the Tampa Click was Scoot Andrews, Billy Fives. Pepe Prado and Mike Sullivan. Uh, oh, and Buck Quarterman. Sorry, uh, Buck Quarterman. So what you've got is you've got the five best talents 
pretty much in the world at that time, right here in, in Tampa. Um, and if, if I, I've told people in the past, if wrestling school, if wrestling high school was Steve Kern school of hard knocks, grad school was NWA Florida. Um, and my professors were those five guys and they beat the snot out of me, you know, week in week out all over Florida. Um, I have still to this day, never had the pop for me winning anything like I had the pop for uh, when I won the NWA Florida Junior Heavyweight Championship from Pepe Prado, the place erupted. I mean, it was just, a, it, but it was a program. It was old school programming for, you know, for down the road, not programming for this show or maybe the next one. This, this, there was probably about eight to nine matches before the, the blow off. And I finally got the win, the win and it was old school Babyface getting annihilated and just coming up with a, uh, um, you know, I think a schoolboy from behind winning the championship. And it was, boom, it was the biggest thing uh, that I've ever been a part of as, as far as a pop. Uh, but um, I mean, it was great. NWA Florida was great. It, it got me noticed. Um, it's, it's what, uh, it's how I ended up with the uh, NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship. Um, and then the 53rd anniversary show was, uh, the the show that got my videotape, yeah, I said it, my videotape seen by Kevin Kelly, um, and that opened up things for, you know, some WWE developmental looks and, and things like that. So, I mean, it was it was a great time, and the wrestling was phenomenal. I was in the, the armory watching all my, uh, <clears throat> my uh, uh, childhood um, heroes from the past, Steve Kern, um, uh, Mike Graham, uh, Brian Blair, you know, all the guys that came back to wrestle in the armory. Uh, I was on the same shows in the same locker room and I'm just looking around the Fort Homer has locker room. And I'm just imagining Eddie Graham standing there with the cigar, uh, you know, giving instructions. I'm just imagining, you know, Dusty Rhodes, you know, uh, doing his thing, getting ready, holding court. Um, so, you know, just, just really cool, surreal. One of some of the best memories of my life. Awesome, very awesome. Uh, uh, one thing I wanted to bring up uh, again in my research, I, I, I found out about this. It's April twenty fourth, two thousand one. There's a there's a feud going on between NWA Florida and IPW, uh, mm-hmm. and there's a moment where you're hit with a fireball, I believe. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Is is is, is the internet telling me the truth there? Um, no, I don't, I don't think I was, I was ever involved in a, in a fireball, uh, no. uh situation. However, the whole, the whole I, IPW thing that was, um, I, when I was, when I was going through school or wrestling school, when I was going through how I wanted to wrestle in my mind, um, I was not a fan of hardcore wrestling at all. Um, you know, I was always a legitimate athlete growing up, gymnastics, uh, football, baseball, so, you know, the old school, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the athletic wrestling is, is what I geared toward, towards. So when I thought IPW hardcore wrestling and I saw some of the, uh, um, the, the videos and, and some of the death matches and all that, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. Um, I, was, I was doing good with NWA Florida. I, I thought, you know, uh, I'm going to stay with this group over here. Uh, you know, I'm not going to go over there. But and then all of a sudden we merged and had this, this angle. Um, and man, it was a crazy time because I, IPW was on fire. Uh, NWA Florida was doing their thing. 
um, you know, we had uh, like the 53rd anniversary show uh, for NWA Florida was at IPW uh, WrestlePlex. Uh, and that's when the guys came down from Wildside. So we got to meet all those guys. Um, you know, so right about the time IPW and NWA merged, uh, NWA Florida kind of kind of did its, you know, kind of took a detour. And then IPW, I just stayed on the roster. And once I got there, once I started doing shows with them, I started realizing it's not just hardcore wrestling. Um, it's, it's, you know, Ron Neamey has this brilliant mind for all things wrestling. Uh, and he was actually, what he was doing is he was taking his hardcore product product and he was bringing in some, like, you know, some, some, some shooters, some, you know, some more athletic guys, uh, to come in and, uh, you know, and, and he was doing it right. Bringing people from all over the place. First time I ever saw the, um, you know, uh, uh, the NWA uh, uh, the world title uh, was in that building. Um, you know, he was bringing in AJ Styles all the time. He was bringing in, um, you know, uh, guys on the independent scene that were making a name for themselves. Uh, uh, the uh, uh, Christopher Daniels, um, Sonic Youth. Uh, I just keep thinking about all these people that he would bring in. And then he'd have his Florida boys and he'd say, okay, my Florida boys can go with your you know, independent rock stars, you know, just like the best of them. And he got, he got a lot of us, uh, our, our names out there, uh, because of that. Uh, but IPW became that, that second, you know, home for me. And then it was, you know, I was, I was, you know, diehard IPW for the next four or five years, um, right up to the, to, to today, I still get, you know, texts from uh, Ron Amy all the time. Hey, you got another one in you? And I always tell them, yes, I got another one in me. And then about two weeks before the show, I start to feel real bad. I'm like, hey, man, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it was a weird time. It was why is NWA Florida? Why is um, <clears throat> you know, why is IPW coming together? But it really did work. And, and we had a good time. Austin bro. Uh, yeah. Um, I, 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 sometimes the research can be wrong. Sometimes the internet is just incorrect mm -hmm. on some things. So I do apologize about the incorrect. Oh, no problem. I, I got into a fight. I got into a fight with a woman I was dating for two years or excuse me for two weeks, uh, because she looked on the internet and saw that my birthday was in March or something <laughs> like that. And I told her I was a Libra. So uh, she was that crazy that she thought, okay, well, you know, he said he was a Libra, which is October, but the internet, you know, says Lex Lovett was born in March. So this guy's obviously lying. So <laughs> I wasn't, I was born in October, not March, you know? Um, so, um, but yeah, the internet's the internet. It's, it's fun to see what, you know, what they'll say about you. Yeah. It's, uh, it's happened many times in the show. Um, and speaking of October, you mentioned the NWA 53rd anniversary show. Uh, I believe it's October 13th, 2001. A War Games match takes place on the day with uh, Jet Jaguar, the Shane Twins, Mike Sullivan, Scoot Andrews uh, against Buck, Chris Nelson, yourself, Rod Steele, and Vito DiNucci. Um, tell me a little bit about this. It, it seems like, uh, just from talking to the other guys as well, how hot the uh, area was at the time, how hot this story was. Um just tell me a little bit about this. Uh, you know, to be in a war games match as well must have been pretty uh, a, a, a nice one to tick off the list. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. But I, you know that that night was weird because I had already had the um, I already had the match earlier in the night. It was a five way 
uh, for the, um, the NWA World Junior Heavyweight Championship, which um, I I dropped to um, Jimmy Rave, uh, God rest his soul, uh, that night. So my mind was wrapped up in in that deal, and, and you know. Those of you who've who've been in you know three ways, four ways, five ways, you know twenty seven ways, whatever. Every time you add a person in that ring, the degree of of you know um, fucked upness that can happen goes up exponentially. Uh, so when you got five people on that big of a stage, and you're really trying to you know make sure you get your uh, you know uh, your story across. Um, that's all I was thinking about. So, okay, now we're done. Hey, hey guys, what do you need me to do? Um, you know, oh, just go get beat up in the ring. Okay. That's pretty, or in the cage. That's, that's pretty, uh, easy. So that was fun. Um, that was the one I'm trying to remember. That was the one that actually broke down at the end and became a run in with, um, NWA Wildside ran in on, it was an IPW versus an NWA feud. It was a blow off. But then Wildside comes in from nowhere, um, and then they just clean our you know, everybody's clocks. It was you know, IPW was getting destroyed, NWA Florida was getting destroyed, and that actually set up an angle with NWA Wildside. But I will tell you, all I remember is um, someone. Okay, it was um, Riddle and Brooks. I can't remember what their uh, tag team was. They were. Big, tall bikers. Um, uh, I can't even think of the, the, the name, but they were in WA Wildside guys. They came in the ring and, you know, I was feeding. I was coming up, getting my shots and going back down and, you know, having a conversation with whoever. Uh, uh, so um, I remember standing up and somebody, one of the brothers had gotten Ron Nemi's briefcase. And he is just braining people, like almost dead. I mean, it is the wonk. So I'm looking up at this, this uh, briefcase, and it's got like 10 dents in it. It looks like a, a, a beer can that's just been smashed. And he looks at me, and I just bumped. I didn't even take it. I just bumped, and I, I, I crawled to the, uh, uh, the apron, got outside of the ring, grabbed somebody like I'm in a movie, and I'm acting like somebody that got shot in the – in an army scene and I pulled the person on top of me because it was just, I was like, man, that guy's going to kill somebody. It was just insane. People were getting, you know, just way laid left and right. And I was like, uh, uh, this is not my thing. Um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to take a powder here, but it was fun. It was, you know, a very exciting night. Um, it was just one of those nights where so many big images come, come flying back. Like the um, the main event uh, with uh, Steve Carino uh, against um, uh, Hashimoto was insane. I had never seen anything like that. Um, how stiff it was, and how brutal it was, and how believable it was, and how there were people in the in the stands that were actually crying. Um, and it was outside, and it was in the parking lot, um, and there was, you know, bosses were fighting. Bosses were in on the angle. You had people from you know, from Japan outside, you know, arguing with, uh, you know, uh, promoters from, I mean, it was just insane. And we're all looking, all the boys are looking around, like, are we being worked or what's going on? Uh, but it was just such a cool, crazy night. Anybody that, that went to that event will tell you that they'll, they'll remember that night, like, you know, for the rest of their life. So. 
Awesome, awesome. I have to try and track uh, the footage down somewhere. Hopefully, it's somewhere on the internet. Yeah, I, I've seen it somewhere. Uh, it, you know, it's it's out there. But I mean, it's just briefcase, boom, and <laughs> you're looking over. Go, hey, I wonder if Timmy's all right. You know, roll him around, make sure he's still alive. But uh, I wanted nothing, no part of it. I jumped right out of the right out of the way. I literally bumped. And then jumped over a few people into the uh, the apron. So. Fantastic! I would have done the same thing. Uh, yeah. So, two thousand one is a very interesting year. Professional wrestling, WCW and ECW are now no longer in business, but things are going welcome, pretty well. In uh... welcome to my world. <laughs> Wrong uh, place at the wrong time. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's been a few guys I've spoke to who were right on the cusp of something, and then all of a sudden there's only one company now. Um, the, uh, but there's another company that's starting up. Unfortunately, it doesn't really take off, but it's the XWF. And I always ask anyone who was on these shows about their experience on the 13th and 14th of November 2001. Universal Studios, uh, my research tells me you work with Vapor, also known as Ryan Sakoda, may he rest in peace, uh, Jimmy Snooker Jr. and Quick Kick, uh, which is better known as Low Key, everybody. Um, what, what, we, what was your experience like with this? Were you hopeful that this would take off? Uh, tell me a little bit about your XWF time. Yeah, um, so that that situation was, was a, a pretty messed up situation that pretty much uh, – is a microcosm for what's wrong with uh, professional wrestling. Um, and a, a lot of people who, you know, I'll put it this way. I have no reason to pull any punches anymore. I've got no aspirations of ever doing this uh, uh, again. I, I don't, the, the politics uh, doesn't uh, uh, pertain to me anymore. I, I'm living an adult life. Uh, you know, I've moved on. So, um, so the, the climate is you've got, uh, probably about 50 guys that are really, really good, uh, uh, independent wrestlers. Um, we are, you know, we're all ready to break out. We're all better than anything happening on TV. I'll say it again. We are all better than anything we're seeing on TV and it's so frustrating. All right. And, and so we're just sitting around going, okay, well just just, you know, put yourself in the spots to be successful, put yourself in the places to be seen. Um, just do your thing, keep your head down. Um, WCW goes out of business, ECW goes out of business. So now there's, you know, let's just say 80 to hundred unemployed wrestlers with TV names. Yeah. So we're all yeah. sitting around like, we're, we're, we're never going to make it, you, you know, this is pretty much done. So Jimmy, uh, uh, it was Jimmy Hart. I know the um, uh, uh, Valentine uh, uh, was in it. Um, he was one of the uh, partners, uh, the Nasty Boys. Um, and Hulk Hogan was supposed to be a, a part of the XWF. And what they were going to do is they were going to do the next uh, WCW. Um, it was XWF in your face. Um, I spent um, in another entire summer uh, trying to get their three big bodybuilders um, uh, uh, some kind of ability to wrestle because just like, um, you know, in the past, they wanted the 300, six foot five, 300 pound jacked up bodybuilders. 
uh, to be their main stars. Well, their three new main stars were awful. They were horrible. They sucked so bad at wrestling. So uh, we spent an entire summer just trying to get those guys able to put a five-minute match together on TV. Uh, a few of us, uh, I know Steve Habata was was in that. Uh, I know Eddie Guerrero helped out with that. He was looking for the XWF to, to be a new landing spot. Um, so we get to uh, we get to the taping, um, and probably about probably about forty to fifty uh, independent guys, and probably about thirty to forty of the XWCW uh, names, um, the ones you've, you you remember from that time, the Buff Bagwells and the you know Lex you know Lex Luger's and and and, and that those kind of people. Um, and you're like, okay, yeah, they they should be here. It makes sense. We're all gonna, you know, we're all gonna uh, jump on this uh, company. And it was such a big deal. Like my wife actually threw me a party when when I got hired by XWF, and, and I knew that I was gonna be booked on on the, uh, the XWF. It was like, okay, we made it. We're finally working for a company. We can finally pay our bills. You know, this, that, and the other. It was a party. We had a bunch of people there. Um, so I show up, and I'm scheduled for. Uh, three matches on the first day and none on the second. So, which is fine with me. So, uh, you know, I, I wrestled my matches, like you said, um, you know, uh, uh, Vapor and and um, and a couple others. Uh, they called Quick Kick Loki. Uh, had good matches, just, you know, uh, all I wanted to do is just show them what I could do and, and get in, get out. Um, so the first day, everybody was real excited. Everything's going good. Um, then the second day was a nightmare. Um, I wasn't supposed to wrestle, so I, di I didn't show up, you know, mentally prepared. And the first thing that, that happens, um, uh, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna throw somebody on the bus. Uh, the first thing that happens is, um, uh, Mike Graham comes up to me and says, uh, Hey Lex, uh, uh, we got you wrestling twice today. And I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't think I was wrestling. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, now, um, listen, uh, Jimmy Snooker Jr. Um, he hasn't had a good match yet. And it was awful. I mean, he, he fell off the ropes. I mean, it was pretty bad. He says, um, I, uh, we need him. We've already seen what you can do. We need him to have a good match. We need him to have a match we can, uh, put on, on, on tape. I was like, absolutely. So I ended up wrestled that one. And then, you know, he comes back, he goes, Hey, so-and-so, yeah, they need a good match. So the, that, that second day was all about me trying to get good matches out of, out of people who haven't given them any quality yet and, and names that they wanted to use. So, you know, the story of my life, once again, you know, uh, I'm a jobber. Let me, let me do my job. So, um, you know, so, and then about midday, everybody starts grumbling and they start, uh, <clears throat> you know, rumors start uh, uh, going that uh, we're going to be, uh, uh, you know, we're going to be shut down and, and the company's not happening. Uh, so basically when it all was said and done by the end of the day, we had no television deal. We started the, the weekend. We were supposed to be what we were being told is we were supposed to be with NBC. NBC was going to pick us up and we were going to roll. So come to find out that was all contingent on Hulk Hogan uh, being a part of the, uh, the, the, you know, being part of the, 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 uh, the creative team, being part of the direction and, and actually being a, an on-screen talent. 
Um, and they wanted to give him what is an, an, a normal person an insane amount of money just to use his name. Um, but, you know, we've all heard anybody that's heard Hulk Hogan talk about, you know, his um, his career. Everybody, everybody cuts their own deal, brother. Everybody cuts their own deal. So I guess this is where he did not not feel like 70 people and their livelihood was worth the money that they were going to give him. So he just pulled out of the deal last minute, got up from the table and left. So um, so what you're looking at is you're looking at 70 people that are out of work. A lot of people that are, are counting on this to, to, to move forward, uh, get through the next few years um, uh, until something uh, can shake out. Uh, but literally, we were all, you know, uh, dead in the water on the second day because Hulk Hogan, you know, the deal wasn't enough for him. So that's that's how I see things. And, and to the point where, you know, years later, when I'm hearing on the radio, all his legal troubles and people are suing him and he's losing all his money and divorce and everything. All I could say at that point was everybody cuts their own deal. I mean, you know, karma comes around. So I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of the way that situation came out. I'm not disgruntled. I'm just calling. Uh, I'm just letting people know that XWF did not happen because of uh, Hulk Hogan's ego, plain and simple. Right. Holy shit. I never heard that story before, but, you know, it makes sense because, you know, within a couple of months, he was back in the back in uh, the WWE. So. Oh yeah, and uh, and you know they went, they they tried. Uh, Jimmy Hart, bless his soul, he tried. He shopped it everywhere he could. He went to the conventions. Uh, he had all the footage, uh, but he didn't have a network. So uh, because he didn't have a network, there was no XWF, and and that was it. You know, so yeah, that's a massive shame because I have seen uh, the footage of what they ended up putting out, and it was it had it had you know potential to be a uh, a a something different anyway. Too it did yeah. <laughs> at least at least there being a second company out there at that point in time. Um, exactly. I, I did see that you did get another opportunity in December of two thousand one. Uh, I don't know if this is the first time. Again, the internet might not be uh, reliable, but you work with Crash Holly on WWF Metal. Uh, is this your first opportunity there? And what was your experience like there and, and, and the feedback? Um, well, uh, it was it was dream come true. I'm going to be working for you, WWF. Uh, they, uh, uh, Kevin Kelly had seen the, the uh, 53rd anniversary show. Uh, I kind of got on his radar then. Uh, he called to ask about me a, a, a couple guys that he knew from Florida, uh, put me over to him. So um, it was time for me to get my tryout. Uh, so um, my first experience with the WWE was a perfect 10. Absolutely wonderful, which is a stark con contrast to six years later, my, uh, my last uh, match in the WWE was one of the worst days of my life. Uh, but, um, you know, first day, uh, we drive, uh, there was, there was four of us were in the car. We drive to Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, so it was the Cajun dome. Um, we drive up and, you know, never been to a, a WF building before, uh, uh, you know, the four of us, none of us did. So we drive up, ask where we could park. We're confused. 
um, huge building. Um, we, we walk in and um, the very first pe person we run into is uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And this was at the time where he was the biggest thing on the planet. Um, so bam, walk in the door and there he is, you know, he's like, Hey guys, you know, uh, follow me. I'm going to the locker room. And he walked us. If you imagine a, a dome, the uh, underside of a dome. And if you've ever been around, we were in the opposite corner from where we needed to be. So he walked us four scraggly independent guys all the way around to locker room, showed us where we could sit. Um, Hey, this would be a good spot for you over here. This, that, and the other, where are you from this, that, and the other. So we sat down and then in comes the big show and he sits down next to us and lights a cigarette. Um, and I always tell that story. It was basically he had a cigarette and all you could see with his hands is the tip. And then the very end. So you could barely see the cigarette in his hand. It was so big. Uh, but, um, you know, he sits down and he's talking to us. Um, you know, we, you know, we just take it all in every, anybody who's ever been an extra, you just take it all in, you go down to the ring, you get your assignments, uh, you, you know, you eat at catering, make sure you're not sitting in somebody's seat, you know, uh, just trying to be respectful, try to remember that, um, you know, you trained for this, this is, you know, this is, um, why you wanted to do this. And, um, it's, it was magical. We had a great match. Um, I, you know, I made some rookie mistakes, but it was a it was a good learning experience. And it was what they tell you about walking through the curtain is absolutely true. Um, what they told me at the beginning of all my friends is go through the front curtain and allow your body to experience what it is about to experience. Because what happens is you walk through that curtain and immediately it's like somebody just punched you in the stomach and you lose your air. It's like, uh, all the breath gets just yanked right out of you. Um, so they said, take a minute, let your body catch, breathe, let your adrenaline calm down, take your time going to the ring because where most people mess up is they come through the door, get, can get completely overwhelmed, take that to the ring and then get, get completely, you know, uh, eaten up, uh, you know, forget your spots, whatever. So, you know, that was good. That was good advice. You walk through the curtain, bam, it hits you. You, you can't even remember your own name at that point. Um, you calm down, you get in the ring. Um, and then we, you know, we just had fun. It was, you know, one of the best, uh, one of the best uh, experiences, you know, of my life. Awesome. I, I watched the match earlier and I noticed Taz on commentary uh, call you, Lyle Lovett and mentioned that you were married to Julia Roberts and all of this stuff. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you saw, if, if you've seen it back, but I, I was laughing a little bit at some of his yeah, antics. <laughs> he, had, he had a little fun with my name. I, I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> certainly not, not a problem getting mixed up with being married to Julia Roberts, that's for sure. Well, um, yeah, but that's, <laughs> that's an ugly man that I love. It. I, don't, I didn't take that. <laughs> I think you've got to take that as a compliment. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a little bit about one Antonio Banks, uh, which many may know as MVP. Uh, just yeah. in my research, it seems that you two had a quite a bit of an angle there in 2002, uh, bleeding over into 2003. What was it like working with him at that stage of his career? Well, um, 
Antonio Banks, uh, a lot of people know him as MVP. Uh, that was that was just a really cool connection from the very beginning. Um, you know, he came up uh, he came up through Miami, and uh, NWA Florida was running uh, all over Florida at that point. And he uh, Antonio was uh, wrestling for FOW, uh, which was uh, basically. Uh, uh, a company that we did business with uh, down in, in Miami. Um, so uh, I can't remember the first meeting uh, exactly, uh, but that guy from, from the first moment you met him, you knew, you just knew he had it. You knew he was going to make it. Um, just listening to him talk, the, the charisma of just him being himself. Um, you know, that's, that's what a lot of people don't understand that it factor. Uh, for example, um, uh, the rock, if, if the, no one knew who the rock was, if the rock ended up in a, another country where they'd never heard, heard of wrestling and he walks in the front door of any building, any, any, um, any room that he, he goes in, everybody's going to stop what they're doing to notice this person. They're going to notice the, the, the size. They're going to notice the, the, the athletic um, just ooseness, uh, the glide of, of the walk. Uh, that kind of person, you just, there's just something about them. Um, and we see these people every day. Yeah, you know, like the, the guy that comes in from uh, Centos that, 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 that works at the doctor's office and all the girls go, ooh, you know, the, the Centos guy's coming. There are people like that where just they walk into the room and just immediately everybody just lights up. Well, he was that person, no matter what room he was in, um, he would automatically uh, uh, light up. And then whenever a, uh, a, uh, a camera would be pointing his direction, just immediately, boom, he was on. Um, so uh, promos were always his thing. He, he never had any problem. But then he was such a good athlete. And at the time, um, I was uh, I was wrestling in Japan. I was doing a lot of strong style. Uh, strong style was was I was going from more of a, a junior heavyweight acrobatic uh, uh, style to more of a a uh, legitimate uh, uh, you know strong style shoot style. And um, Antonio was a humongous uh, uh, a Japanese wrestling fan. Puro wrestling was all he was, it was about. So at the time I'm, I'm learning the style. The only thing, if you ask him, what is your number one goal? And his, his number one goal was always to get to Japan. He, he didn't, he wouldn't tell you WWF is my number one goal or WWE. He would tell you Japan. So I started working out with him and started, we started working more of a stiff, uh, uh, strong style together and we meshed. Um, similar sizes, similar athletic ability, um, but we just both understood the, um, uh, you know, uh, how those matches are, are, are supposed to get over. So me and him for about a year, we just wrestled every, every show we were on. It was Antonio and Lex, Antonio, Lex, Antonio, Lex. And, and we had some incredible matches and, and probably one of the, the greatest, uh, you know, compliments anybody's ever given me is uh, when uh, Antonio won the uh, U.S. Heavyweight Championship from uh, Chris Benoit, um, uh, Antonio, was, he told me, he called me and said, hey, man, I just want to thank you. Everything that we've done up until this point, 
you know, um, got me ready for the match with, uh, you know, with Chris and, and to be able for somebody to tell you that, holy crap, you know, what a, what a compliment that the time we spent together, the time we were training together and working together was, was exactly what he needed once he got up and, you know, got that call. And I remember I was on the last, uh, I was wrestling as the saint and I wrestled Antonio on his last match as Antonio. It was here in Tampa. Um, we were supposed to go uh, 20 minute uh, Broadway and we did. Um, and then at the end, he just comes up to me. He goes, he goes, nah, we're not going to leave it this way. He goes, let's do about two more minutes and you go over. And I'm like, bro, this is your last, you know, this is your last hurrah. He goes, nah, man, I'm going to put you over on the way out. So, um, you know, that was, that was cool. Um, you know, I spent some time with him up in, uh, when he was in Georgia, um, with the, um, the territory, the, the developmental territory there, I went up a couple of times with them. Uh, so I got to see him progress through that rings. So, you know, the guy is deserving of where he is now. Um, you know, every time I, I turn on wrestling, I see him up there, um, you know, able to carry on a career with just his microphone skills and just his charisma. Um, man, I just, uh, you know, that's just, that's cool enough for me. I, I don't, I don't need to make it there. You know, because because a good friend of mine, uh, a really good person, a really deserving person, you know, uh, you know, you know, got to the top and got to achieve his dreams. And and he did. I mean, he he asked for his release for, from WWE so he could go to Japan and he lived his his dream. How many people have the fortitude and the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to ask for my release from the biggest company on Earth so I can chase my dreams and, and, and go, uh, go wrestle in Japan. I, you know, I just, you know, I, uh, have nothing res- you know, but respect for that guy. Awesome, bro. Thank you for the insight there. That was really interesting stuff. Uh, and, 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 and I was there the day he got hired by WWE. Right. Um, it, yeah. We were down. It was the last match that I, I wrestled with WWE. We weren't supposed to wrestle. We were down by the, um, uh, we were down by the, uh, the ring, just hanging out. We were getting ready to go eat at catering and um uh he asked me if i wanted to go eat but on the way i got stopped by um uh, sergeant slaughter and i had already gotten paid i had already been told you know i i'm not wrestling that night he comes up to me and says you lex love it i said yes sir he goes you've got eugene five minutes go find him you know and, and this was like 6 45 and i believe the doors open at seven o'clock so i had to go scrambling back well Antonio, he went to catering and on his way to catering, he, he was walking down the hall and Stephanie McMahon had stepped out from the, um, the interview room um, and recognized him from a video package that he sent her. Um, and she, uh, she told him the story that I heard. She told him, uh, Hey, would you like to cut a promo? Um, he said, sure. He was just walking by. So he steps in and she goes, can you give me a 30 and can you give me a 60? And he nailed both of them. And he walked out and he walks up to me later on and he goes, man, I think I just got hired. And I was like, he told me the story and he's like, uh, yeah. And, and, you know, and then, then now he's starting to freak out because, you know, uh, oh, am I, you know, am I hired? And then he starts thinking about some, some other, some legal issues. Can I travel, you know, can I work for WWE? And, you know, he has his own story. I'll leave that for him. But, uh, you know, but uh, it was pretty cool. I was there that night. I got to enjoy that with him. He's like, yeah, man, I, she just told me I got hired. I, 
I was like, if Stephanie McMahon told you, you know, you got a job, I guess you got a job. So, you know, that was, that was a pretty cool day as well. Yeah. Very cool, bro. Wow. That's a great insight there into our MVP and all yeah. of that awesome stuff, bro. Uh, uh, so you mentioned Japan. Uh, so I have to kind of go there because uh, I always seem to find some uh, interesting stories. Uh, World Japan Pro in 2003. Uh, I assume this is your first experience in Japan. Uh, do you have any stories of, of your time there? Oh, yeah, Japan. I mean, there are so many stories from Japan. I mean, I could just tell you the the um, uh, the headlines of, 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 you know, Japan and never have to go in the stories and it'd be kind of like, you know, crazy, uh, like there, like if I told you, uh, or if I was walking up to the Shane twins, I was like, Hey, uh, Mike, remember that time? Or yeah, it was Mike. Hey, Mike, remember that time where we got into a fight with the New Zealand national rugby team in Rapungi, And the only thing that saved us were the Africans and then walked away. Everybody around us would be like, what? Yeah. We got <laughs> to a fight with the New Zealand, New Zealand national rugby team. Uh, I think they're called the All Blacks or something like that, or yeah. something like they're well known. Uh, you know, I I popped a dude in the mouth. He was giving um, uh, Mike a hard time, and next thing you know, I look up and there's the whole team standing in front of us. And the um, it was the if you go over to Japan and you go to Rapungi, there's the the guys on the street with the suits from Africa. Um, they're giving out um, uh, flyers to the uh, to the people passing by for the gentlemen's clubs and the hostess bars and stuff like that. Um, and they speak English and um, we speak English and, and, you know, Americans don't look down on them quite as much as the Japanese do. So uh, we would always pal around with them on the street. Um, you know, we got to know them pretty well. So, you know, here we are, we're about to get, you know, pummeled by, you know, a whole team of rugby players. It's just <laughs> me and Mike Shane. And um, next thing you know, all the, there's a wall of suits in front of us. So they held them off and we ran down the, the alleyway uh, back to our hotel. Um, yeah, there was a time that, that uh, the, uh, the hostess, um, uh, if you don't know what a hostess is in Japan, it's the, the really pretty girls in lingerie that pour drinks in the bars and, and, and whatnot. So she ended up um, uh, coming back to my hotel I think I had talked to her maybe two, three minutes. And next thing you know, we're, we're going back to my hotel. Um, and it was during, it was the way we used to do it over there was uh, tours were two weeks. Um, so we'd, we'd go away for a tour. We'd come back to, to um, Tokyo for about three, four days. And then we'd go back on tour. So this was during that three, four day period. So um, imagine a Japanese, half Japanese, half Colombian, uh, smoking hot hostess with, uh, 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 I believe it's platinum blonde hair. I mean, it was, it's insane. She ended up staying in my hotel room for three days. Nothing happened between us. She was just always there. And I'd be like, okay, you leaving now? Yeah, I'm going to work. I'd come back and she'd be in my room. Um, so it was so weird, bizarre. So I go back, uh, on the bus and I used to sit, uh, it's funny how things happen. We just assign ourselves seats. So on the bus, I always sat not right next to Taka Amori. Uh, don't know if you know that. And he's uh, a pretty big uh, name over. I learned so much from that guy just sitting next to him on the, on the bus. Uh, so the guys are telling the story and everybody's having a good laugh. And, 
and uh omori is pretty serious he's he's pretty intellectual uh he looks over me he goes uh uh how how to say uh air conditioning and it was during the summer it was july and i and i was thinking what what is he talking about because uh, i told him i don't know why she stayed there and he goes <laughs> uh air uh conditioning uh uh girls many girls one apartment no air, no air conditioning so i you know, i had a hostess stay with me for three days because i had air conditioning um so that was you know that was a, another one um but you so many like that just just so odd um so much fun but uh it was it was great times we were over there uh it was me uh steve uh, madison the shane twins were there uh, a guy named dan bovish uh was a part of the company he was a cage king of the cage fighter uh the road warriors did some things um uh, uh veto um uh, big veto uh lagrasso he did did some tours um the sats uh were on the last couple tours uh with uh me and steve um but um it was great we, at the time i started we were making money everything was doing good but uh what happened was k uh k1 and pride was uh they were really uh exploding overseas over in japan uh so the mixed martial arts started to become the uh, the real popular uh format over there so um you know people just stopped going to wrestling you know because they were going to pride and k1 so where you know when i began um the wrestling companies were in tokyo where pride would be in corrigan hall um so about a year and a half later it was reversed pride and k1 was in uh tokyo dome which seats the 20 30, and corrigan hall was where the uh the wrestling was was going on like five i think i think it holds five thousand people uh but just the crowds dwindled um you know some of the money went away and over in japan you never know where the money's coming from anyway you just you just show up and they give you a, a, an envelope so um we were doing good uh the last uh, i remember the last tour uh uh they really liked me and steve uh they were going to put us together as a tag team and they were talking about they were going to uh, uh use us as their tag champs for a while uh, probably on the next tour. And then we went home thinking that we were going to have a tour in January and then did nothing. So the, the company folded in the time over, over the, the Christmas. And then at that point, um, I didn't want to go back to Japan for another company. I was into some other things, uh, back at home. I'd been traveling. I was pretty grumpy with, uh, uh traveling. Um, so I, I never, I never pursued like a, a new Japan or anything like that. I just kind of wanted to stay home. Uh, but I got to do it. Um, I definitely, I mean, if, if NWA Florida was grad school, this was like, I don't even know what it was because this is where you learn, you know, if you're not solid over there, they just won't, they, they're indifferent. Uh, the Japanese crowd, if you don't know what you're doing, they're not, if they're not yelling for you great because they're watching you if they start laughing and if they start talking while you're wrestling that's when you know you don't have them. uh japanese crowds are different when they're quiet they're watching intently uh when you finally do something to pop them they'll give you your pop but you have to work for it but when you're getting you're getting an indifferent crowd reaction um you know you you know you know you've lost them uh but um it was it was just cool you you had to be solid it, it, it you know it, it it exposed you to the world and 
and I got to see Japan for a year and a half, you know, and, and um, I, I saw <clears throat> everything that I've ever wanted to see in Japan and been in every city I've ever wanted to be in. So, uh, you know, I count that part of my life as a, a success of the business. Awesome, bro. Thank you for the story. Uh, wanted to bring it to a little bit of uh, NWA TNA talk now. Uh, February 5th, 2003, dark match, uh, fit, teaming with Rod Steele against David Young and Tony Mamaluke. Uh, and then, of course, you also form a tag team with Buck Quatermain. Uh, uh, you're, you're there for a little bit, but it doesn't seem like they, they, uh, the team sticks around for, for too long. Um, tell me about your experience in TNA and why the team with you and Buck didn't have more of a longer run there. All right. Again, we're in that <laughs> we're in that place where I get to I, I, I get to tell the truth. Okay. Um, well, um, you know, I went up to uh, the NWTNA in, in Nashville. Um, you know, just kind of a, a just kind of a tryout. Um, you know, made my way up there. I think Bill Barons uh, from NWA Wildside uh, he got me that uh, booking. Uh, but nothing much came of that. It was a good match, but you know, at the time, TNA, all they were focused on was just, just surviving, just, just you know, uh, making their product, um, you know, uh, viable for TV. Um, so you know, they they were, you know, they weren't interested in bringing anybody in from uh, uh, Florida uh, that they didn't know or you know, uh, just a stranger. Um, so it wasn't until um, they came to Florida and I had met Jeff Jarrett on an IWA. Um, I know he was, he was, um, you know, he was uh, involved with the IWA and IWA came to Florida and I had met him um, and uh, he was good friends with Jimmy Del Rey. So that was my end there. Um, you know, I, I knew Jeff, um, you know, so when, uh, NWA, the very first um, uh, show that they did at uh, in Florida with the six-sided ring, um, I was there, you know, as just wrestling crew extra or whatever. Uh, but I was basically there setting up the ring, and um, you know, I was. Uh, I remember there's a there was a uh, uh, <clears throat> the the that first leaked. Uh, picture of the the TNA six sided ring, and there I am with a mop, and I'm mopping the the, <laughs> the mats. Um, so you know, I showed up, thought I was gonna you know was gonna work, and then next thing I know, I'm ring crew. And then I remember um, Jeff Jarrett comes walking by, and he goes, "Lex, what are you doing?" I said, "Well, somebody handed me a mop, so I'm mopping." Um, and he's like, "Man, you know." yeah, we get, you know, we got to get you wrestling that, you know, so it kind of went from there. I think I got booked on the next show. Um, you know, there was a little, I had gone on a China, um, tour and, um, I didn't have a great, uh, week with, uh, Terry Taylor. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> Terry Taylor didn't like me. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, he was bad mouthing me to, uh, uh, some of the executives. And I remember, you know, cause I heard this secondhand. Somebody, somebody was in on the conversation, but I, I remember um, they said that Jeff Jarrett um, was in on the conversation, and he was like, "Oh, really?" So it was, it was 
funny the very next day this was a two-day uh taping the very next day i go i get there i look on the board and on the first show i'm wrestling 10 minutes with jeff jarrett so it was almost like he was like okay well let's see how better to you know to to know if a guy can go than than to be in the ring with him so uh me and jeff it's it's out there somewhere me and jeff had a pretty good match and i just uh sold for him and and tried not to die and uh from then on it was an hour from my house so i could you know i could drive over there i wasn't airfare i was cheap uh labor so i just started working with the um uh tna and it was always consistent it was always basically uh, an enhancement match and you know with the caveat man Lex, when we find something for you you know th there'll be something for you um and then um uh, dusty came in as booker um and you know for the first time it looked like me and buck were actually going to get some kind of traction um me and buck had worked for uh, dusty's turnbuckle championship wrestling some years uh, previous um and uh, dusty took a liking to us so now that dusty's in charge of of booking in tna he wants to do something with us and he wants to do something with some of the florida boys uh that that he 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 knows in the area and you know his uh his thought process was was dead on he goes why are we bringing people in from canada when we've got so many people here in florida that we can just drive on over um so uh you know if you look during that period there was a little period of you see some florida guys getting some push you see some florida guys uh getting some airtime. and actually my last match for um uh for tna uh, uh during that time was uh, or last show is we ended up uh setting up johnny Fairplay as our um as our manager um and it was supposed to be a tag team uh and and they they spent all afternoon filming for this angle for us to be called team fair play um and if you look back you know you had the you know all the other tag teams involved in vignettes just to set up team fair play because they because dusty had big plans for us and we were actually told that dusty was wanting to shock the world and have us come out of nowhere and win the tna championship that's all hearsay however what i can tell you is during that time where all the florida boys were in there um some of the northern boys were uh, being left at home and that didn't sit well with other people on the booking committee um so i remember it was sunday um uh, was the pay-per-view um it was the lethal lockdown pay-per-view with the tag teams and we set up uh team player play so uh monday comes and we hear rumors that uh, uh things aren't going well between dusty and the booking committee on Tuesday, we come to find out that Dusty has left and gone to um, uh, gone to um, uh, WWE. And I think that's when he went to de uh, developmental. Right. So, if 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 you've never been to a TNA taping, you 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 park outside and you walk up, and there's these this long breezeway, and all the you know to either side there's buildings but all the stages are off to your left as you're walking in and there's catering so it's a walk i've made many a time so here's me and um uh me and buck were walking in uh two days ago they said we were going to be uh, a team fair play we're wondering what we're going to be doing that night and i i swear to you run 
not just walk running over to us. I can still remember uh, Scott Demore's little waddle as he ran over to us. And um, he was so excited to let us know that we would not be uh, wrestling um, that night or any time in the future. Um, we could hang out if we'd like, but, um, you know, it'd probably be good for us to go home. So we're just looking at each other like, what do we do, you know? Um, so, you know, when that happened, you know, I could have gone to Jeff Jarrett. I could have said, hey, what's going on? Um, and as a matter of fact, we stayed around. We'd been there for over a year, uh, not on contract, and we stayed around. Okay, well, maybe we'll just get through this week. We don't know what's going on. So we went into the um, – the uh, arena just like we normally did and they were getting set up for a meeting so they get started and all of a sudden they make an announcement that um that everybody not under contract has to leave so you know a locker room that we've been in for you know for for over a year now and and we'd come to you know see ourselves as part of the company they made us stand up and leave the meeting with all of us you know with all the talent just watching us like oh man sucks to be them you know, me and me and Buck, we went and grabbed our stuff. We went home and that was that was it. That was the last time um, I was at TNA. That was kind of the last draw. Um, it was just because we were seen as Dusty's guys. And, and I, I tell young guys all the time, don't put your hat in one person. Don't you know, don't think because I'm so and so's uh, friend or I'm so and so's boy that that I'm going to make it, or even your trainer. A lot of people think that if I have the, a trainer that knows people, um, I'm going to get a job. But in this instance, because Dusty, all we did, we didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything different. All we did was Dusty liked us. And then when Dusty was gone, we were gone, um, kind of in retaliation. And that's just the, you know, one of the things that just soured me on the business where it doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter you know, how you do um, uh, the politics or do the right thing or treat everybody right. Um, you know, whether you make it or not is not dependent on anything else than, than luck or, or, you know, who you know and, and you know, the whims of, of uh, you know, the politics at the time. So, you know, that was kind of the, the, the beginning of the end for me uh, for trying to make it. Uh, everything from there on was just, uh, just for fun after that. Right. That's heartbreaking to hear that this is the instance that made you be like, you know what? Okay. You've made, you know, now that that dream that you had to keep going because of this instance, now you're like, okay. I well, the, the, the final straw, I'll tell you the final straw. <laughs> okay. The final straw was I used to be a cheerleader in college and yeah. I can do some, some amazing things. I can take a girl, grab her by the waist toss her up. She can spin a couple of times. I can grab her with one hand, this, that, and the yeah. other. So, um, you know, so, uh, you know, I'm trying to get over and, and um, you know what, I did come back to teenage, but I was trying to get over um, with a gimmick. So I, I, I just had this idea. What about a cheerleading gimmick in, in, um, in, you know, in wrestling. And so what I, what I originally, uh, uh, uh you know, told Jeff and I sent him an email and everything. I was like, what about somebody from Freedom University? So they walk out there and then they've got a big F U on their, on their chest. 
And the girl that he's with, she has a big F you and we're Freedom University. And at the time, if you think about the date, you know, freedom, 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 you know, freedom. And so I said, I can just imagine, you know, us coming out and we'd be heels, you know, um, and everybody's chanting F you and and they (laughs) actually think and we think they're cheering with us. Uh, But he he wrote back. I said, don't know if we can get that past the uh, the the censors. Uh, but I like the idea. Let's run with it. So I actually went out and had a um, I had a uh, cheerleading outfit made for me and and a, and a partner. And we did three matches with TNA as dark matches. Um, so we we did it the first taping as a dark match. And then the following week, MVP actually called me and he's like, bro, you're not going to believe what's going on. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, they're getting ready to put a spirit squad together in the WWE. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because me and him talked and I actually had sent the package to him um, to to see what he thought about it. He goes, man, they have taken your idea and they're going to duplicate it exactly as, as you've already done it. So he's like, you need to, you need to get on top of this. I get out in front of this. So I let I let uh, Jeff Jarrett know that this this was happening and I actually called uh, Steve Kern and I was like, hey, Steve, you know, I'm doing a cheerleading gimmick in um, in uh, uh, TNA already. I heard y'all are doing a cheerleading gimmick. I mean, it's what it's what I've been doing for, you know, at the time I'd been coaching in college for for 10 years. And, um, you know, they were like. Okay, well, you know, and he got me in, in in contact with Johnny Ace, and they actually brought me in for a house show, and I did one of the Spirit Squad, you know, and I had no idea where they were going with it. Then I actually did a match as as a second to one of the Spirit Squads. Um, then I go back to TNA, I do another two matches with the gimmick, and actually the only time I ever won a, a match in TNA was a dark match as a cheerleader. And, you know, I've got pictures and everything, but, you know, I would come out of the – the the ramp and I throw the girl up and I'd have her up over my head you know we went to the ring toss her up uh catch her with one hand and visually it was it was awesome and I I can remember um uh Kip Sop um you know uh Mr. Ass he was standing there and he's looking at them put it on TV and he's yelling at them put this on TV and they're like no we're not ready not he goes and he said, y'all are effing morons. At least have him open the show. Do something. Get this guy on TV now. And it wasn't, you know, and, and that that was like a, a Tuesday. It wasn't the next Monday that the Spirit Squad was on WWE. And they ran with that thing for, I don't know, year and a half, two years. And that was my, my last gimmick to maybe I can get over. Maybe I can do something different. Um, and at that point, I was like, man, it's just it's just, this business is not for me. And that was, that was it. I can't even come up with my, my own gimmick and, and, and make it in this business. They're, they're going to steal it and give it to four guys that, you know, I, to be honest, I guess they were just looking for something to put on some uh, developmental guys. And uh, it was a, a way to stick it to TNA. Maybe, I don't know, but um, it, yeah, it, it did it. It, 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 it sealed my fate. I was like, I'm done. This business is, is, you know, too screwy for me. Yeah, fuck. I can't believe it. Oh my gosh. That is heartbreaking. I thought before it was heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Was this during the time period where you, you worked with Eugene on Heat at all? Or, uh, yeah. Or was this, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was, yeah, that was, that was like 2008. By the time I worked Eugene on heat, I had, I, I had been waiting for um, a neck surgery. I had to have three vertebrae fused. Um, I had three uh, uh, discs that were herniated and they took out two and they fused three vertebrae. And I was looking at probably a year of needing that, um, that surgery uh, when we had that show. And that was one where um, uh, I just, I went to the building, it was in Tampa it was a building that I dreamt of always wrestling in. And um, I, I was out of shape. I hadn't wrestled in six months. Um, basically, I needed money. Steve Kern called me, asked if I wanted to be an extra. And in the last four times that I went to WWE as an extra, I didn't wrestle. All I did was be a security guard or be a, um, you, know, uh, you know, do a pull apart in a locker room or something like that. So um, I'm thinking, okay, it's $250. I'm gonna go get it and and you know you know stand on the 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 side and 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 watch. So sure enough, get there. This is the time. This was the day that um, Antonio got uh, uh, MVP got hired. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm standing there. Uh, he comes up. Uh, uh, Sergeant Slaughter comes up, gives me the the match, and now I'm freaking out and I gotta go uh, get ready. I'm not tan. I'm not shaved. I'm not, uh, I'm not geared up. And even more so, this was when FCW was just starting the Florida championship from wrestling when the developmental territory was down here in Tampa. Um, and they, they built the million dollar facility. It was the place they were in right before they moved to the performance center in Orlando. So we're in Tampa the extra, the extra tent, that's another thing. The extra tent uh, was so full of luggage because all of, they all brought their, their, um, their stuff. I'm thinking, well, they got all these guys on contract. If they're going to have uh, uh, dark matches, they're going to do it with, with their people under contract when you think. So that's another reason I wasn't ready to wrestle. But um, so, um, you know, that was, last minute um it was it was awful it was so horrible there was no room in the tent to get dressed so i walked out of the tent um mind you the first time i ever went to wwe stone cold steve austin which to me there will never be a bigger name ever walked me all the way around the building to take me into the 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 part or the uh, dressing room well here Six years later, there's a different person on top, and now we're getting dressed in these little pop-up tents off in the corner somewhere that the extras aren't even allowed in the locker room. Of course, I don't know this. <clears throat> I just knew that there was a tent. So I walk out, and one of the referees uh, slash agents was walking by. I said, hey, I need to shave my chest. Is there a place where I can do that? So he walks me into the locker room, and he walks me in, and and he, he sets me up and he says, okay, yeah, you can, you can uh, go right here. So went in, shaved my chest, put on some lotion, cleaned everything up, threw it away, and then went back to the extra tent. So, and there were two people in the locker room. I remember that Trevor Murdoch kid and whoever his tall blonde um, uh, partner Lance, was. Lance K. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remembered him from the Memphis days. So they were the only ones in there and, you know, they were giving me the stink guy. And I just, I just figured that's just the way they were. 
So I walk back to uh, the extra tent, put all my stuff in. So now I'm, I'm getting ready. Uh, I'm stretching out. I'm going over the match in my head, which we put together in five minutes because it was last minute. So here I am just ready to go. We're in the gorilla area. There's monitors. There's a hundred people there because the whole FCA, FCW locker room is sitting there watching the monitors. Um, so we're all sitting there and all of a sudden I feel somebody put their arm around me and I'm like, and I look up and it's, it's John Cena. All right. So, uh, at the time he was the, 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 the big name he was on top and, um, I, he, he puts his arm around me and he just kind of just yanks on me. I'm like, what in the world is going on? I look up, he goes, he looks at me, he goes, is your shit in my locker room? And I said, excuse me? He says, is your shit in my locker room? I said, no, my shit is uh, right there in the, the uh, extras tent. He goes, it better not be because if your shit's in my locker room, it's mine now. You don't come in my locker room. You have to, you have to uh, earn your way into my locker room. And here I am thinking, I remember the first time I was here, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's more of a champion than you ever be, walked me all the way around the building to show me where I sit down six six years later. You're 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 breaking me down because I used your locker room. Um, so I, I had that in my head. Three minutes later, I'm out in the ring having having the match that I don't. Um, so what should have been one of the, the best nights of my life was, was just awful. Um, the match was okay. Nothing remarkable. I remember getting done, getting cleaned up and just leaving the building. I didn't even watch the, uh, the show that night, um, because it was just so embarrassing. Um, you know, somebody like that had to, to, to pull me and, and show, show everybody what, you know, what a, you know, what a big man he is by, you know, taking his extra and, and, and giving him shit right before he goes out and wrestles that right there just showed me all the character I ever need to know about that guy. Um, so yeah, me and John Cena, I, I have, I have seen who he really is. Um, and if, if anybody's ever been a fan of his, you've been a fan of his, uh, his gimmick and that guy's a piece of garbage as far as I'm concerned. That was just unnecessary. All I needed to do was get ready to to work for the company that I, that brought me in to uh to wrestle, and um and and I shaved in his locker room, and you know it was just it it that was a big turnoff too. After that, that was it. I was you know uh, I got my surgery, um I came back and I think I came back in 2013 for a show. Came back in 2018. So everything after the the surgery was just, just for fun, but yeah, I didn't, it didn't exactly go out on a, on a great night in my hometown, but I did wrestle in the, you know, in the, um, the ice palace is what it was called at the time. Now it's the, um, uh, uh, the Amelie arena. Uh, but you know, Hey, you know, we live and learn. Um, you know, I, I got to, you know, be in front of my hometown. A lot of people were like, Hey, you know, I remember you at the, the Emily arena. I'm like, I don't, I don't remember a single thing about it. Uh, all I remember is trying to get out of there as soon as I can, but I did left $250 uh, in my pocket. So, oh, well. Well, uh, after hearing that, fuck you, John Cena. How dare you tell this man that he has to earn, he earned, he already earned his, his spot. You did, you just don't know shit, bro. Okay? Yeah, you probably, just, you'd probably I, be wrestling just, longer than him. 
any anybody that anybody that uh, 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 watches this and you're wondering how you know how to be as a professional, uh, there's never going to be any bigger than Stone Cold Steve Austin, and and you know uh, you know that's a champion. That's a that's a person who gets it. You know, John Cena is is a John Cena mark. Uh, you know, and and you know he's been a mark for himself his whole entire life, and everything he does is is because he is such a mark for himself that um, he believes his gimmick. I, I mean, he really does. His subconscious marks out for everything that is John Cena. So, um, you know, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, sorry to hear about that, bro. Um, but a, a great story nonetheless and a cautionary tale for those out there. Um, how dare anybody uh, want to uh, shave their chest in front of a mirror? You, you should have just... Just, just uh, blindly shaved yourself and and yeah. for the best. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I did want to ask about the seventh of November two thousand eighteen uh, against a guy called Francisco Chiazzo uh, or Chiazzo Chiazzo uh, yeah, for IPW Hardcore. Uh, it's a strong as a strong as a seal benefit show in Port Richie, Florida. This, yeah. in my research, is the last match that you've had at this point. Um, yes. Did you know that that would be the last one at that point? And have we seen the last Lex Lovett performance? Well, um, I've been booked a couple times since um, that, that didn't work out. And I was going to do a match uh, uh, a few months back uh, for a, a new company that was going to come, uh, that was trying to, to pop up. I was actually going to wrestle Steve Madison, uh, but uh, it just, it didn't fall through. So there's, there's a couple more left in me. Uh, you know, I, I do go down to the school and roll around occasionally. Uh, but you know, then I, for the next few days, I, I limp around like crazy. So, um, you know, if, if the, if the right match is there, um, you know, I will like, uh, you know, Frankie's one of my, uh, uh, best friends, uh, in the business, known him for a, a very long time. Uh, kind of one of those people that when you first meet them, you think they're jerks. Um, and, uh, I just thought he was a loud New Yorker, uh, which he is, but you know, I, it, once, once you, um, you know, once I got to know him, you know, we, we, we became great friends. Uh, so that was just, you know, uh, uh, our good buddy, uh, Navy SEAL, um, uh, passed away, uh, prematurely. This was a, a chance to wrestle in his honor, uh, a little fundraiser for his uh, family. And I got to wrestle somebody that uh, I trust. That's the thing. I, I'm, I've got so many injuries that I'm only going to wrestle somebody that I absolutely know, absolutely trust. Um, I'll wrestle Steve Madison, I'll wrestle Buck Quartermain, Scoot Andrews, Billy Fives, people that I know, people that I, I can trust my body with. Um, I'm not going to wrestle anybody looking to get over. I'm not going to wrestle anybody young trying to, trying to you know, uh, get their spots in. Um, you know, for me, it's just, it's just you know, if there's, if there's the right, uh, right opponent, right reason, uh, you may see me, you know, uh, you may see me again. So, but definitely not a regular schedule, uh, you know, a weekly or daily uh, a situation like a TNA or a, you know, I, I couldn't even imagine it, people when AEW started, people were like, oh, you know, Jacksonville, you know, I'm like, take that <laughs> stuff elsewhere. I don't want to know anything about it. Uh, you know, Jacksonville's three hours from me, but and I, it might as well be 300 hours from me. I'm not going. I'm not, I don't want to have anything to do with trying to make it happen all over again. You know, somebody is like, yeah, you know, you know, a bunch of the guys. I'm like, yeah, 
yeah, I know a bunch of people. That's great. That's that's where it ends. Uh, but I am I am done. I'm a 47 year old man. I've got a lot of uh, a lot of injuries, but I've got a lot of uh, responsibilities. Um, you know uh, that uh, I can't be limping around. I can't be in a wheelchair. I got you know I got I got grown up stuff to do. My uh, um, my dreams are a lot bigger these days. Um, you know I'm sitting here as a uh, director for a parks and rec uh, uh, department with a municipality. Um, so, you know, that's, um, that, you know, that's my goal. Uh, what I do now, I go at with the uh, same amount of pride, same amount of uh, over, you know, I tell people that, that you know, um, <clears throat> you know, what I do with projects is I want to be match of the night. I don't want to just be I just don't want to be good. I'll show me where the bar is and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump right over it. Um, so, you know, I, I get the same amount of satisfaction with, with what I do now um, and a lot less pain, you know, a lot less uh, uh, aches and, and, um, and, and, and what people don't tell you, it's not the injuries that, that kill your soul. It's coming back from them. It's it's the the it's the aftertimes. It's it's the after the surgeries. It's the dealing with the uh, the pain pills. It's it's dealing with the aches and pains. Um, it's it's dealing with the um, uh, the spotlights being gone. I mean, you know, like it, it is an addictive feeling. And, and anybody who's ever been in a wrestling ring knows that after a after a Saturday night, it could be just a Saturday night. Uh, 200 to 300 bar show, uh, people bar show, um, you go out there, you, you give it your all, like you can't even sleep that night. You're so excited. Every you're running every, everything around the, you know, you, you're, you're looking at the match, uh, back in your mind, you're, you're, you're analyzing your adrenaline keeps you going for, you know, it's almost like you can't even sleep that night. And that's such an addictive feeling that when you don't have that anymore, you're like, you know, uh, you know, where's the, where's that buzz come from? Um, and that's where so many ex, um, ex wrestlers have a problem assimilating back into society is because nothing is ever going to pop you like that, that Saturday night crowd. It, nothing is ever going to make you feel that way unless it's chemical, unless it's, you know, um, something extreme. Um, and, and, and the other thing people don't think about is when you're running hard, uh, uh, on the road physically, your body is getting the opportunity to sweat out all the alcohol, um, all the drugs, um, being coherent that night for a, um, for a match, um, is a concern to you. So that keeps you from taking that second, third pill, having that, you know, fourth, fifth beer that day. Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying for myself personally, but you know, and I've been through that. But what happens is you get done and now you've got nothing physical going on. You have nothing to stay sober for. You have, you know, you have all these feelings of it's all gone. The, the, the magic is all gone and you have no reason to be responsible. That's how so many people end up in that black hole because that next day, okay, I, I lost my job Saturday, Sunday. There's no, there's no place to go. There's, I'm not training. I'm not flying somewhere else. So what am I going to do? I'm going to drink and take pills. What's there to do the next day? I don't know. Drink, take pills. And there's nothing that, that, that ever lives up to that dream that you've just lived. And some people just can't come back for it. 
uh, can come back from it. So, you know, that's kind of the, what I'm the most proud of is I, I got in, I got to live like a rock star. I got to ha- live my dreams. I literally was that person uh, on TV that my, my younger self looked up to. Um, you know, I got to see the world. Uh, I've got to do so many like memorable things that I never would have um, otherwise. And I got out and moved on with my life and I was able to be successful and responsible and overcome all, all the demons. I didn't have a, a great name there at the end. Everybody knew, you know, if, if, if Lex is coming, hide your pills. You know, I'd been, I'd been so many injuries, uh, you know, um, you know, so many, um, uh, so many aches and pains trying to go at a high level um, that I got caught up into the, the pain pills and they knew if Lex was coming, you know, don't be rattling, you know, and, and if you walked by, don't be rattling. Cause I could hear, it. I could hear you had a, a bottle in your pocket. So um, we got done with that, got done with the uh, wrestling, let my body get straight, let my mind get right. And then I've been uh, basically just, you know, you know, kicking ass and taking names in, in, you know, in, in real life uh, in the regular world. So um, hopefully that's a success story. Uh, how do you have a successful wrestling career? You get in, you have it, and then you go on and you do something else. And to me, that's how you become successful. I, I don't know, but that's that's how I look at it. And that's how I look at it too. And I'd never really, I mean, this is, I think, I think maybe my 115th interview I've done for this podcast. And <clears throat> I've asked that question many times of what's life like after the adrenaline rush is no longer there and, and all of that stuff. Where do you place that, that, uh, energy into to get that kind of feeling um when you're used to getting that feeling all the time on tap uh so you explained it so well there so poignant uh i don't think anyone in the previous 114 interviews has explained it as good as you and i've asked that question to don morocco as well so um i i I really appreciate that and it is a success story as far as i'm concerned 100 percent sir um And uh, Lex Lover, we're coming right to the end here of the interview. It's the final segment of the show. It's called Five Second Frenzy. Five seconds to answer each question, even if you break the five second rule, it's okay. You won't get in trouble. Uh, But I believe in you. I believe that you can do this. There's about 12 quick fire questions. The first three are about wrestling. Lex Lover, who is your favorite wrestler? Uh, Kevin Von Erich. Nice. Favorite opponent out of everybody over the years? Oh, man. Scoot Andrews. Good answer. Good answer. Favorite match you've ever had? Oh, boy. I know. That's a tough Um, one for everyone. uh, There were were two matches uh, that me and Steve Madison had in uh, uh, Japan that – was just uh, so bonkers, so fun, so perfect. Um, yeah, I just uh, Steve Madison in Japan. Excellent, excellent. I'm hoping to get Steve on the show very soon. Uh, mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Uh, moving away from wrestling now, favorite book? Um, favorite book? Um, probably Lord of the Rings. Uh, Another that, that trilogy. Yeah. Yep. Good choice. Good choice. Uh, favorite TV show? uh favorite tv show uh walking dead oh me too bro me too i'm obsessed (laughs) uh favorite film oh favorite film 
Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, the um, that that scene at the end, the three where they're all looking at each other, and <laughs> just the eyes, and the, and there's so much drama, and there's so much emotion, but but how that goes from that, how that that whole story is in the middle of the Civil War, and, and the Civil War is just a backdrop for this this cool little <laughs> caper. Um, yeah, it's my favorite. It, it stands the test of time. <laughs> Excellent. Um, favorite musical artist. Um, Chris Stapleton. Very good. Uh, moving away from the arts now, favorite food? Um, sushi. A very popular answer in this show. Uh, another one still about food. Favorite place to eat on the road? Oh, boy. Um, well, on the road, you could always count on Waffle House. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, there were, there were your... got to say Ribera Steakhouse. Okay. If you can make it to Ribera Steakhouse and eat your jacket and you can get your steak, uh, you know, that's, that's saying something. <laughs> yeah, we've heard that one before, but Waffle House is probably the number one answer. Yeah. Um, favorite alcoholic beverage? Uh, currently not drinking, uh, but um, uh, I was always a whiskey guy. Very good. Uh, two more to go here. The second last one is the naughtiest one of Five Second Frenzy. Favorite female body part. Lex Lovett's looking at a good-looking lady. Where do the eyes get drawn to first? Um, smile, probably. Smile. Good answer. Very good answer. And the last one on Five Second Frenzy. I don't think you've said any curse words on this show. Uh, maybe one or two, but favorite curse word. Um, the F word works, you know, so, you know, so well everywhere. I mean, you know, <laughs> it can be an adjective, it can be a noun, it can be a verb, <laughs> you know, it works anywhere. <laughs> Good call, bro. Well, Lex Lover, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me here today. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And, and, and I always say this when I, when I have someone on the show that I'd seen uh, perform over the years that, you know, when you think about what you've done in the wrestling business to know that there's someone in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia, all the way over here that was uh, appreciative of your talents and every, all the effort that you put into your work. Um, I just think it's important for me to say that. And I, I hope that you're very proud of everything that you've accomplished, not only in professional wrestling, but outside of pro wrestling. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. Um, you know, I haven't thought about wrestling in, in quite a bit. Um, I don't even know who the champions are right now. I, I don't don't really watch it, but um, it was fun times. It's something I did, uh, something I'm glad that I did. And I'm glad that there's people like yourself that are still, you know, trying to, to get the information out there and, and um, you know, keep the fans uh, satiated, I guess. So uh, congratulations on that. Congratulations on uh, that success. Well, thank you very much, sir. And, and again, thank you for your time. All right. Thank you. And uh, thank you all out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here. I'm California alongside my new friend here, Lex Lovett, and I will see you down the road. Thank you. Network, that's the way. We play. Get puppies. Healthy. Healthy.
way. Network, that's the way. Replay. Yeah. All announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network.